0: The Around the NFL Podcast. Initiate phase three.
4: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room surprisingly filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Why is it surprising? I Well, first of all, Mr. Man, Mr. Paternity Leave, I thought that you would be oh, spending yeah. time with young Walker. Instead, you said, i got to get back in here and talk more pats. Well, people
3: say they love their job. I mean it. I want to be here. I mean, plus, Alice, my daughter, she's taking her nap right now. It's a good time. Just stop it. And I miss you guys. I want to talk some Oh, football.
4: that's sweet. I've gotten some distressing texts from your wife being like, where's Greg? <laughs> stop. <laughs> she doesn't know you're Have
3: mom. you maybe had too much time? I'm a little worried your, that she knows Jane's cell phone
1: number. <laughs> I'm
4: refreshed. Well, from? Michael Bennett knows it. Um, <laughs> I'm refreshed uh, uh, after a couple days off and – Four days sober now, so I'm feeling really good about myself. How are you guys doing, Wes and Gra- and Mark? You both look healthy as well.
2: I slept 12 hours last night. Wow. Which was more than I slept all of Super Bowl week combined. <laughs> Wes actually is, he's been cranking right through,
3: so you, you're you just hours away from your three-day weekend uh, coming yeah. up. Oh, what is going to happen nice. with you?
1: Big plans.
4: <laughs> a lot of cornhole?
1: Well, you know. Do they involve man. the Santa Monica police?
4: <laughs> <laughs> and Mark, you, you are wearing, let's talk about Mark, uh, he's, he's wearing a uh, stripy which i thought had been <laughs> sent to the uh, circular file but apparently not and then underna- underneath it a free nfl.com t- t-shirt
1: i just don't care anymore
2: <laughs> i see you've done as much laundry as i have
1: and this is a throwaway shirt but when you go unbutton with t-shirt underneath it, it can right. be ca- it's more like just a rag that you'd wash your car with mark is single-handedly <laughs> trying to bring back the mid
3: 90s open button down shirt with a t-shirt underneath type.
1: Well, that's when I stopped paying attention to It's a little style, Cobainy.
4: It? It's a little Cobainy. But that's Oh, sorry.
1: Old. I'm I'm a little too much like a music legend in my <laughs> dressing in the off season.
4: All right. So, uh, you would think we'd have nothing to talk about, but that's not that's not even close. In fact, you know, uh, screw you for thinking that cuz we got a lot to talk about, all right? This is a uh, this is our first post-Super Bowl show. Greg sitting again. Maybe it's easy to get to work when you could fly around on a throne of ease. Yeah, I'm not going to deny it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Notice also, I would not have pegged Greg as an aviator sunglasses guy.
4: He sits on his throne of ease. <laughs> that is weird. Throne of ease music today. Yeah, what is that? I like i to take a t- it, second shot of that one. I like. Of I was thinking more like the the harp was
5: like It's something more a little jaunty. A <laughs> throne. Game of Thrones music. Game of Thrones season five is back soon. It's you
4: know. Okay. We're, you know,
3: working on it. I can no longer deny the throne of ease, but part of what's making it so easy is the NFL Network. Just replaying the game over oh, okay. and over and the nonstop Patriots programming. its It's been on nonstop well, it's, in my house. It's, it's been nice. great
1: for us because Dan, a notorious, he'll blast his television at like volume 120 <laughs> like he's the only one in the room off the entire week because he cannot stomach a second of it. Well,
4: you did say when we, when we were planning this, uh, and a little bit of a shot of the volume of my television that was unnecessary. That's Mark. accurate. But, um, I will say that when we were planning the show this morning that that Greg, one of his takeaways, and we're going to talk about a little more about the game. The big Patriots win is that the game is still all over the place, and you can't get away from it. I got away from it just fine. Yeah, the last you, couple of <laughs> you days. turned it
3: off. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. It was at the front of my wife watches the Today Show, all sorts of shows. The the parade. It's getting a longer life, I think, because of all the elements of the game than a normal game. Am I is that crazy?
1: Well, it was a crazy a, assessment. I feel like it stuck with me more than any of the Super Bowls that we've been to live. It might have been the game itself, which a sitting lot of next to football. you was crazy. Right, yeah. it's
3: a lot just football. Talking about that play call, Pete Carroll's comments, Belichick's comments. I'm saying all these comments and kind of rehashing everything that went out in the game. It feels like it's got a longer life than some great other games like Ravens 49 or stuff. Right, like
1: that. but it's also a massive personal triumph for you. So you're just sort of glowing, and you can see the glow on you. I, have, I think it has nothing to do with new fatherhood. Mm. It has only to do with the new. Yeah, you're like on
4: maternity leave because you're pregnant. You're GLOW because you're so I, happy. I feel like this is the Nailed year
2: it. where, I guess to back up Greg's argument, people are writing about things that are germane to the discussion, whereas in previous years, other websites are just trying to crank out like PFT-level content that, you know, the quotes don't really mean anything, but we have to talk about the Super Bowl There's anyway. nonstop analysis over, you know, the, the
3: percentages of whether it was smart to run. I mean, just stuff like that. What's the way it ended? Forever.
1: Yeah.
4: All right, so we will be getting digging back into Super Bowl Forty Nine in a in a segment we're going to call "One Last Thing." I have many more than one things, uh, which will give us the stage to add some things maybe we didn't get to on Sunday Night Show because it was kind of a fever dream uh, after getting a few days to think about the game. And Greg has said that he has several things he wants to get out there, so we're going to get to all of that. Uh, it's going to be a four-hour podcast today. We're also going to hit up Wes's big old uh, top twenty free tw- top twenty-five, actually, right? Top twenty-five free agent list that he uh, put up on the site uh, earlier this week. So we're going to go through Wes's list of uh, the top twenty-five guys ready to hit the market if uh, teams don't lock them up first. Many of those guys will never hit the open market, but it's still fun right now to take a look at who may. So we'll go through that list. Uh, and if we get a chance, we might not be able to, but this will be something we get into as uh the weeks pass. We are right now giving our off season forecast of all thirty-two teams. We have a couple of them up already, a few up already, including uh both the Super Bowl teams. So we might get to that. If not, our next show we will handle it. But to start, we gotta check in behind the glass. T Day. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, guys? And, yeah, I mean, the
5: last podcast, sorry to everyone who had an issue with the audio quality, but we were I at the stadium until, like, 2 a.m. I had to finish up the pod in the back of a taxi cab. <laughs> yeah. Um, so hey, you, can was,
3: pi- you can pipe down. That's was, a labor of love. And we I love will, doing that. Thank and, you yeah, for listening. Everyone, everyone, else, else,
4: everyone else that works for NFL Media, and I'm not saying that we were working harder. Maybe I am. Uh, was that, like, the post-NFL Super Bowl party at that time? <laughs> uh, we didn't have to tape the podcast Sunday night. Oh, and then, uh, Greg, just stay out of it. And then, on top of it, there was, uh, he'll go nameless, but somebody tweeted, like, you guys should be ashamed of yourselves for not getting it up sooner. What? <laughs> we were still at the damn stadium guy. at 2 a.m. walking around like, asking security guards how to get out of there. Who was it? I like, I that. I I like uh, that. I like that. I, maybe we'll let you know privately, Wes, because I know you you got a hanker to block him.
2: I, uh, he's considering I, him
3: blocked. I mean it. I like it that people are so in love with our podcast that they're upset they're not getting enough fast. I look at the positive. All right. TD.
5: <laughs> yep.
4: Let's do some news,
5: buddy. Hey, I love you guys. Let's go, man. Let's go. And that was from the NFL Films recap inside the NFL of the Super Bowl, and that's it really is great stuff. Edelman, though, is the one Pat I can get on board with. Cool guy. Forget Gronk. Forget Tom Brady. Edelman's one. a man.
3: Mm, so you're going against Conor Orr, who uh... – Pretty much chose the Seahawks to win by a 21 points just because he didn't like Julian Edelman personally.
1: Julian Edelman, a, a Tinder superstar this week. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you Believe we'll it at that. I am not on Tinder.
4: Uh, all right. We'll start with Bill Belichick, who, of course, and this was interesting because Pete Carroll makes what many people say is the worst play called Super Bowl history, leading to the game ending interception. Uh, this obviously has a great consequence for Bill Belichick, who goes from losing potentially three straight Super Bowls to Tom Brady to winning the Super Bowl. And don't forget that Pete Carroll was the coach of New England before Belichick got there. So he uh, Carroll did a good good service by getting out of the way for Bill. <laughs> so maybe that explains why Bill, Bill Belichick is uh, getting behind Pete Carroll and, and defending uh, Pete Carroll for uh, the play call that was made that led to the INT. Here's a quote from Belichick who was on WEEI in Boston And Wednesday. I think there's been a lot of criticism that I don't think anywhere close to being deserved or founded. That football team is very good, and they're very well coached. Pete does a great job. Malcolm and Brandon on that particular play just made a great play. Not wa- exactly
3: Frank Caliendo over here, Caliendo.
4: <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he went on to say that the criticism <laughs> is totally out of line, made by people who are not qualified to make it, uh, Chris Wessling, I'll start with you. Does Bill Belichick have a point?
2: Sure. I mean, I don't have any kind of hot takes on this. I see Belichick's side. I don't think he's talking about fans. I think he's talking about people in the media who are questioning this without a deep knowledge of everything that went into that situation. And basically, I think Bill Belichick is saying Pete Carroll is one of the best coaches in football history, so leave him alone.
1: Yeah, whenever you go to one of these like owners' meetings, whatever, you realize the walls break down and the guys are friends. They just want to talk. They're in a fraternity together. It's a very tight-knit thing. It's like when you go, when we go to a, a, the Super Bowl and you talk to someone, else, some other writer and you're like, oh, my God, will Antrell Roll ever shut up? It's like you had that shared pain. Belichick knows what it's like to get everything questioned. Well,
3: Belichick also went out of his way to talk up Carroll as one of the best coaches of the last 25 years. That he, he is. Yeah, and he is. And that he's learned a lot from him from afar, and he knows how tough it was to deal with that Seahawks team. So he's trying to help him out there. He also understands – the logic behind what Carroll did, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense that they went away from their strength, Bill Belichick in that same interview stressed, we had our goal line people and we're going to have eight, eight big guys in to block them. And I, he said, look, I don't know if we're going to stop Lynch, but I'd like to see our chances in that spot. He's like, that's, that's as good a situation as I could have put my team in for Lynch running. And you have to think back and I'm sure maybe this was part of it. Lynch did get stopped in short yardage two other times in that game. Forget about what he did over the course of the season. Or the play right before. Well, they stuck it was, in from eight yards. He he almost did, but that was a different people on the field at that point in a different goal line setup. Two different drives stopped because Lynch got stopped on third and one and third and two. The first drive of the game and another drive where they were near the goal line.
1: Well, they also wisely brought in the defensive back for Akeem Ayers who ended up making the game change in interceptions. So. Yeah, that was a good post you wrote there, uh, Wes.
2: Yeah, uh, Jason Hartilius, one of our producers, brought that to my attention, and we got uh, Gold Standard actually was working in the video department mm. tonight. We got to him to cut the video, and we made a post out of it, and I don't think anyone else had that information.
4: Wow, what a great uh, how-the-sausage-gets-made breakdown by Chris Wessling there. The umbrella of NFL media, powerful indeed. And,
3: and and maybe part of it is Belichick, I don't know, putting focus more on the player and the play than the coach making a bad decision and it was a bad decision. It didn't work. But when you watch the coaches film of that play, Butler is breaking on the ball well before Russell Wilson throws it. So it is an incredible anticipation play. And he didn't go run and knock down the play like a lot of cornerbacks would. He didn't bobble it and it hit the ground. There wasn't any big-time replay. He went for it, and he made the play. It was one
2: of the greatest all-time plays
3: in Super Bowl history.
2: The more angles you watch of that play, the more TD is wrong on the Damashek podcast when he said it was a mistake by the Seahawks, not a great Whoa. play by the Patriots.
5: Whoa. I that have is changed. A, I that have, is a great play by Malcolm I Butler. have completely changed. I Again, I watch the NFL films inside the NFL, and I, that shows how great of a play Butler makes.
2: Like That's he, the Patriots' st- Snaring,
5: he went for broke. Out of the jaws of he the went feet. for broke and he got it.
2: That's he what I mean. Started. Like when we think of
3: play. when we think of Kirk Gibson's home run or whatever, this will make Dan happy. There a little go. baseball. I go mean, it, we don't people don't talk about it because Dennis Eckersley hung a slider or whatever. You talk about the great play Gibson made. It was the great play that Malcolm Butler of all people made. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, all yeah, right. that was an accurate replay of that World Series. It was like twelve people in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wow. wait, there was what well, people at the crowd at
4: times. No, 8? in this in this sound
1: bite, there's like, <laughs> oh, it's like this like little lazy backyard baseball play, and it's like there, were, there was like the, one of the loudest stadium scenarios. That okay, it's like a low level little league affair. It's
4: maybe eighty five people there. Okay. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, Mark, will move on to the Cleveland Browns, where uh, Josh Gordon will not be in their plans. For at least the 2015 season and maybe forever, the NFL announced Tuesday that the troubled wide receiver has been suspended without pay for at least one year for violating the NFL policy and program for substances of abuse. And, uh, you know, the Browns then, Mark, came out and fired off a statement that showed that they are... They're pissed. They're, uh, I think they stood behind this guy. They waited patiently for him to get back, and then he got busted again. And now, who knows where he is. Let me ask you, Mark. Are you going to see Josh Gordon on the Browns again?
1: No, I think uh, – I don't know. I could see him coming back to the league. It's, well, it's like we talked about on NFL Now West and I yesterday, that it's maybe a Justin Blackman is the closest model for this and how the team wants to deal with well, it. There was no reason to cut him. He's not absorbing any salary, but – Realistic. Well, there is a reason.
4: The reason right, is well, you are sick of
3: this. Sure, but I, I, think, they're gonna move be, on. I think they're going to be well, done with him because I feel right. like this last chance was
1: his why, next chance.
2: Why cut him and watch him lead the league in receiving with the Steelers?
1: That I agree. I, I, mean, I think you, you don't, don't have to cut right. him. You haven't been through all this to finally – you've pumped millions of dollars in this guy. It's, you, I think there's no expectations. You go out and you draft and you find wide receivers the best you can, but you don't just cut him free – what what statement can the Browns make about anything right now? You just he's in the he's in the netherworld. But don't have him get signed by the Chiefs and go for thirteen hundred yards two seasons. You from made now. the
4: same point a year ago, which right? I was on board with, and you're making the same point now, which is something you could still get behind. But I would think at a certain point the team's going to say, yeah, maybe he becomes the next Chris Carter but as things stand he just stands as a black mark that you know for this franchise that's just trying to get away from the dark cloud and he's one of the big dark clouds that continues to hang I on just the think team. it's
1: bad business to put what is what is he 23 Guy has potentially 10 more playing years in his body. He's not even, he doesn't even log miles over the last two seasons to say, hey, we're going to change everyone's perception about us by cutting him. And then a smarter team like the Patriots, frankly, that could care less about his, they'll pick him up and he'll thrive. I don't want to see that happen as a, someone that follows that Josh, team.
2: Josh Gordon is not the only black mark in this organization. It's not limited to the players either. It right. goes a lot higher than that. So let's not act right, well, like... There's an investigation into the
3: texts that were sent down to the sideline. That's going Let's on not right act now. like getting rid of Josh Gordon solves everything for this franchise. Well, they don't have right. to make a decision for a year. We're talking about something that, you know...
1: That's what I'm saying. They don't have do to something ma- emotional right now. They, that's all.
3: They won't. He's going to be suspended. We won't hear about him. It's, we're going to be talking about the next winner of the Super Bowl before they have to talk, do anything with Josh well,
2: Gordon. Well, this offseason's a train wreck for this franchise. You've got Manziel going into rehab. You've got Gordon suspended for at least a year so your leading receiver from 2 years ago who led the NFL your first round draft pick supposed to be your quarterback of the future and then the offensive coordinator who made Brian Hoyer Hoyer into a legitimate NFL starter
1: left so you
2: you've got a disastrous
1: And offense. your GM is under investigation and your owner is you know littered with question marks I mean it's it's whatever hope was generated a year ago in the offseason it's the opposite And right?
4: let's hope let's hope the Johnny Manziel thing is legit and He went to rehab for the right decisions, and it wasn't a business decision. It wasn't a decision to save face with teammates, and he's actually getting help, and he has a real problem that they're trying to fix. Uh, And maybe, just maybe, if you want to try to look at the bright side, he comes back, and he gets his head on straight, and you can maybe salvage something of his career. Because I think the one thing with Manziel is everyone's very quick to say, it's over for Manziel, and let's move on. Let's, Let's draft Marcus Mariota. He's still your twenty second overall pick in uh last May's draft, so if he shows a, a renewed commitment, maybe you can get behind him and build something and he shows you something. I know he didn't do much last year to get you excited, but I don't yeah know. but a
1: smart team that's fine, but a smart team with a, with all these players we're talking about can't rely on anything right on and them. they' got to go won't. get everything they won't. They won't be.
4: But it's the same argument with Josh Gordon. You're saying you don't want to uh, let him go and then let someone else make something of him. You I would say never let Manziel, about Manziel go.
3: I think I, the the difference is Johnny Manziel, you have major questions about his personal life and, and maturity and about his football. Whereas Josh Gordon, it's really just right. about maturity. It's not about right. his
4: football. All right. Dan Quinn was announced very quickly after his team lost in the Super Bowl. Dan Quinn became the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, in his introductory pr- press conference, he said the goal of the team is to play fast and physical. Uh, Greg, <laughs> is, is that what every coach says? Yeah.
3: Right. Well, that's my thing. <laughs> He's really going against league <laughs> trends because slow and passive has been the hot new thing around the NFL. Yeah. People have been doing that. But Quinn's going to turn that on his head. Be- He's going to go fast and physical.
4: Mike Smith, God rest his soul, uh, <laughs> his, his hard knocks uh, proclamation that they were going to be the toughest team in football didn't really take uh, this season. So now they have a new coach that says fast and physical, but this, a lot of people seem to be happy with this hire, and I know Chris and I believe, yeah, Chris, you spent a good amount of time and talked to him during Super Bowl week. This is a good hire?
2: I think it is. I would say for the second year in a row, the person on the Seahawks beat in the Super Bowl for around the NFL has really fallen for Dan Quinn. He was my favorite favorite figure uh, at the Super Bowl. He, he's charismatic. He sits down. He looks you in the eye. Explains everything. We'll
1: get, we'll tell you what he's going to do, uh, and you can tell the players absolutely adore him. I felt that way about him last year, and I I think that he's he he talk he did talk about co- teaching in that thing too. And one thing, and this is a little tiny thing, but from us Wes and I sitting with him. He teaches even writers in 10 minutes something that you wouldn't know about the team, and I like that about him. I mean, there's something about that that's, that's genuine. And he also showed the ability to bring a good staff with him. He brought Kyle Shanahan. I think that's a huge hire for this offense. It's not, it suggests they're not going to tail off. This is what this team's still about, and I love the idea of Matt Ryan paired with Kyle Shanahan.
3: Right. He, Unlike Gus Bradley, who leaves Seattle and joins a team – in total disarray with no quarterback and no offense. Dan Quinn's not going to come in and fix your offense, but he's got Matt Ryan. He's got Kyle Shanahan. All he has to do is improve what's been the worst, one of the worst defenses in the league for two years, to a mid-level Jaguars-like defense like Gus Bradley's done over there, and they're probably right in the mix are, for a playoffs. Right? Are
4: we concerned about the Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov uh, hair disparity situation mm. and how that could create problems.
1: Well, they gave uh, Quinn full control over the fifty-three man roster, so maybe Blank likes his men to be with less hair.
3: Well, that's so you're saying that was almost to compensate for the hair <laughs> differential because that it does... I,
1: I had no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> <me>. No, it
3: <laughs> it comes up a lot with Wes and Dan, especially Dan, is you know, probably the, has a, the best hair of the group. Probably, right. yeah, on. definitely has the best hair <laughs> of the group. Wes got Patrick. has the least. Amount of hair. Of the well, group. I have and zero. there's been a lot of tension. There's been a lot of tension over Has there? The
4: I, I well, thought in there's this room, no, never.
1: There's, there's never been tension. Classic case of the boss flying in yeah. for paternity leave to stir you the know, pot. Don't you have
4: a kid to raise? You just brought up the whole no. hair tension. Is, well, not uh, within dynamic. our group. I was trying to back
1: Every you up.
2: six months or so, Dan tries to get me to grow my hair out just for his entertainment. No, well, like, wait you a second. You
4: followed that cue. <laughs> I think that 1994 ER Anthony Edwards is a great look for you uh and you do try it every few months and then you you give up on it
2: well i, I just, i'm still not over the fact that i first went went bald i shaved out of pure laziness and i i couldn't leave my island and there were no barbershops on the island so i just let it
4: you and know. you know i met i met your brother uh which but was it uh Nick, nick Wesley, my middle brother uh very nice guy and uh two things about nick <laughs> First thing about Nick, uh, immediately you know that they're brothers because they started arguing about something <laughs> that like I couldn't even believe the argument was happening. It was like how much of a fan Nick was of the Bengals, and, and Nick said he wasn't, and Wes said you still were. There was a lot of there was some heat there. Uh, Nick Nick within a couple minutes of meeting me said, "Hey, I, I listened to uh, your podcast finally." On Tuesday, Southern exit. Listen- and I was like, "Oh, really?" It's like it sucked.
1: <laughs> no, he's listened to many. I thought, "No, that's the first one he got." Oh, really? To. I, was I was like, like all right, cool."
4: And then, <laughs> we, then we talked about we started talking about hair, and uh, and Nick has hair, uh, but it's not all the way there at this point. And he pointed his head and said, "This is what Wes's hair would look like if he grew it out." Which I found interesting. I prefer like to look. point
2: to my head and tell him that's what his head's going to look like in four years. Nick is kind of the potster
3: of the group. Yeah. I've met all the brothers. He's, I don't know what, what we could compare him to. Well, when I hung He's out the with the brothers. The Browner,
1: yeah, Browner. He would whisper in my ear when I was with all the Wesleyan brothers, and he was like, Go over and tell Wesleyan and brother sit brother B this, and just <laughs> then just stand back and watch. And yeah, like, that's actually true. Jordan, LeBron, and then bang. Forty eight minutes later, they're done arguing. No, no, no. no. That, <laughs> Phil was the one who instigated that. Nick is the one who likes to
2: argue. Uh, he's the who arguer. would win
4: in a brawl between the Wesling brothers and the Wahlbergs. I'm
2: taking the Wahlbergs.
3: The I'm Westlings going,
1: going Wesleyan. How many well, Wahlbergs s- are? are soft, man. There's like
3: six of them, I think. Wahlbergs are soft. Mark looked pretty big there on the Super Bowl. We've uh, got a
2: wild card. Yeah. Who, you? No. <laughs> we do have a wild okay, card.
4: Okay, actually, I think I know where you're going with that. Uh, say no more. All right, moving on. The Redskins. Ah, the Redskins. The Washington Redskins <laughs> uh, wrote a letter to their fans uh, entitled, uh, or it was – Entered with a greeting, dear premium club member. Club member. I'm sorry. I can't talk. Uh, And then it goes into a general intro, and then it goes a little like this. Uh, Head coach Jay Gruden, new general manager Scott McLaughlin, and defensive coordinator Joe Barry will lead a nucleus of Ryan Kerrigan, Deshaun Jackson, plus pro bowlers Trent Williams and Alfred Morris. The Redskins are poised to rebound next season. (laughs) Someone's missing from that uh, graph of stars on the team, and his name is Robert Griffin III. This seems. This all seems some type type of story. It's a nothing story, but at the same time, it's like, come on, you don't even put the guy in the paragraph anymore. The
2: person who wrote that letter obviously watched a Redskins film last year.
1: Oh,
4: <laughs> keeping it
1: real. Well, it's a team that can't get out of its own way because you have to know. Wait a minute. When we do this and we put these in the in the mail and send them out, and it gets cut, you know, the Washington Post catches wind of this immediate news story. That, uh, oh, again, you know, we're not showing support of your quarterback. What team wouldn't put the quarterback? He's not the but quarterback. He's not the quarterback. So I do think
3: these sort of letters don't get sent out without approval from either Jay Gruden or Bruce Allen or whoever it is. And the reality is there's a 50-50 chance at best that Robert Griffin III is a week one starter there. So why put him? They're not going to put
1: you know, I just might think avoid, some... like, I'd write the letter in a different way. Exactly. Yeah. You know, write fine. four players and leave him out. To, you realize, as a PR guy, this is going to blow up in our face, I right? get it. it. Just to
3: me, it just recognizes the guy. obvious that, that he is – Totally up in the air, Robert Griffin III, in terms of his status. They don't really count on him for anything.
1: By the way, the way that they wrote this thing drove me nuts writing the post because they capitalized general manager and head coach. It's like a grammatical associated AP style guide nightmare unfolding with this authoring.
4: Real quick, around the room, (laughs) RG3, week one starter in Washington. Mark, yes or no? No. Wes?
3: No. I'll go yes just because I don't have a better option. I'm going yes. I'm going to go yes too. But – it speaks to exactly why he's not You're taking paragraph. the field. That's no, my I'm a, move. No I'm, I'm going to
2: say they're going to do everything in their power to make him the week one starter, and then he's going to do everything in his power to play like he has been for the wow. last few what, years. What and a they difference. can't overcome that.
3: What a difference in off seasons between wrestling rhetoric on uh, RG. I straight. didn't even know what
4: sport <laughs> he was playing last <laughs> year. It wasn't football. All right. That's what's happening. Uh, by the way, this was the highest. One last thing. This was the highest rated Super Bowl ever. And I bring that up because usually in the whenever they you learn that nugget, it it's the show beats the M.A.S.H. finale. And then Wes tweeted today that he watched like four episodes of M.A.S.H. this morning, which I thought was really funny. I
1: hated that Just show growing morning, up. You
2: watched M.A.S.H.? I watched M.A.S.H. this morning. Wow. I hated that show growing up because it was always taking the place of like, like a cartoon. Back. Yeah, there could be some great cartoon on at their school like, you know, <laughs>
1: Scooby-Doo or Tom and Jerry or... Matt, whenever MASH came on in my many house, tunes? that depressing song, that oh, was when my sure. mom was like, it's over, TV's done. Because it's cause right. it nighttime. It was it was the end of the t- television the, watching.
4: TV. WPIX in New York would use it as filler, so after a Yankee game, if they had right. to get to right. the next right. show, they would put on MASH for a couple hours, and that's when he knew to switch a channel. I hated that song, exactly. Suicide
3: is painless. It just was kind of. Brings on many changes. I just saw that, and I felt like MASH was attacking me. Like, no matter what channel you switch to, that stupid song Wes is
4: the only friend I have that would watch MASH totally curious I move but i
2: hated it yeah. and i gave it another shot this morning oh, and i thought it was it. excellent people love the it the writing is fantastic the acting's good <laughs> it's a great show so Wes sleeps 12 hours, wakes up at
3: like 7 a.m. and he says, you know, you know what I want to do this morning? Watch four mashes back to back. Well, that's
2: normally when I would just turn on Game Rewind and knock out a couple of games, and I felt some freedom. I'll just well, get they got a mashes the, shot.
3: They got the coaches of this game up.
2: I'm taking a break. And,
3: and if, if we're
4: doing TV reviews, everyone, if you're an NFL fan and you like comedy, watch the k and Peel Super Bowl special. That was really funny. Legitimately good. TD, did you see that? I did not. I haven't seen that show yet, though. Okay. It's pretty good. Cool. But MASH is good, though. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's move on. Let's go back to the game. Super Bowl Forty Nine. One last thing, but in Greg's case, many last things. Uh, so let's talk about, because we got into, we did a nice 43-minute show, nice and tight, After the uh, after the game from the press box at University of Phoenix Stadium. So let's now maybe touch on things that we didn't touch on Sunday or that have come up since then. And, Greg, since you have a lot to get to, you Mm. get us going. One last thing.
3: Well, I'll start with the Dante Hightower play on the second-to-last Seahawks offensive play of the game. Marshawn Lynch runs for four yards, gets it down to the one. This is where Coach's film does help because if you watch that game from the overhead angle and you stop it at any point point right after they give the ball to Lynch for about the next couple seconds I swear if they run that play eight times and they have it blocked like it is or ten times he's going to get in eight times everyone's blocked he's got a big time lane Hightower is getting not held but blocked by Okung and he's the only one with even a chance Hightower dives to the left of Okung kind of shakes the tackle gets Lynch in the knee and gets him right down so if Lynch breaks that tackle or Hightower doesn't disengage and kind of make a last-chance diving effort, if you watch how that thing was set up, it looks like he's going to walk it. And this is a Lynch, a guy who breaks tackles routinely, and Lynch just kind of, I mean, Hightower just kind of knifed down and hit him right in the right spot in the knee. It's an amazing play that got lost, and it's understandable, but it got lost, and, you know, I'm going to be thinking about that every time I see Dante Hightower make a play for the rest of his career. thats He's the guy that did that. It's fair. Thank you, Dante.
4: And if you, if they gave Lynch the ball again,
3: he was going to score a touchdown. Probably, probably. But yeah. But it's it just it's something you couldn't have appreciated live, and they actually co-credited the tackle with Hightower and Ayers, but Ayers just kind of fell on him after it was all over. It was an unbelievable play.
4: Your thoughts, gentlemen?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, I think Wes. Greg nailed it. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well done, Greg.
1: <laughs> uh, Mark, your turn. Uh, you know, I remember when when the the Seahawks young Seahawks team lost in the Falcons to the playoffs a couple of years ago, and the anecdote that came out was that even in the tunnel, in the stadium, walking off the field, Russell Wilson was already coming up to people, being like, "We're gonna get back. We're gonna get back." You know, and I thought, you know, I don't know if I buy this. I get it. Just I get it. You're all manic, and you're a great you're a great student of the game and everything. <laughs> but I'll say, you know. That defeat was young in his career after what happened in this game when you find out that he was he, he sat down with Carroll and they talked for ages after this thing, and he was texting him at 4 in the morning, and he came out, I thought, on Twitter and also just in his statements in general. I loved Wilson's... Not every Seahawk handled this game well, and we got that first hand with Michael Bennett dealing with Dan. We got it with the fight at the end of this thing, but Russell Wilson, who has to set the tone for the off season, and maybe you think it's cheesy. I don't know. I thought that he's a great leader, and there aren't a lot of... We've seen with guys like Manziel and other quarterbacks that are young that don't know how to be a leader. Uh, if I'm a Seahawks fan, I think they're going to get back to this game, if not next season, certainly down the road, just like the Patriots came back from Super Bowl defeats because of what they have in Russell Wilson, Mm. in their coach, and a couple of core players that I think genuinely this is a talented team, the best team in the NFC still. And I think Wilson is going to win multiple Super Bowls. Just
5: just to back up Mac's point there, a lot of times, who the heck? Mark.
1: Take ours out of anything you do. I like that. Um,
5: the Patriots of the team often compare it to the Spurs, right? But this is one scenario in which the, the, the Seahawks are in almost the exact same situation the Spurs were in the 2013 NBA Finals. I know, Dan, you don't like cross sports. No, I no, do like He them. does. Yeah.
3: He's the one that does like it does. Okay. You uh, got to pay. But, this is Mark. How are you, Dan? He's the host.
5: I am, How's it going? I am not Brian Billick. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> who's DJ here? No DJ? No. What am I doing here? Either way, point <laughs> is, the Seahawks have a star just like Duncan who's level-headed, who can see through this hardship and then hopefully come out better next season.
4: Mm, so, in this, That's Duncan, Wilson, jeter brady i like it i like where we're going with all this odell beckham michael jordan what? thanks dj
3: and they're a really young team <laughs> they were one of the youngest super bowl champions ever somehow the patriots average age is the youngest super bowl champion of all time which is crazy they got a ton of young by people. the way it's crazy to
4: me i'm totally but, on board with that oh go ahead go no ahead. no
3: i'm just saying i'm on board with it too because so many of their great players are signed long term mm.
4: that things will change when russell wilson becomes the highest paid quarterback in the league oh sure and, uh so there will be more challenges but uh but i russell wilson is fun. he's cheesy but in a good way yeah you know, I mean, like, it, here's a tweet that he sent out uh on the fourth is
1: that today no it was yeah it was, that was earlier in the week
4: good job uh that was yesterday wednesday i quote i'd rather be hated for who i am than loved for who i am not and then dash kurt cobain and then russell wilson feels like he needs to hammer this home nirvana lead singer
1: well, all right. All right come on. That's okay. not the Let's tweet Let's get out of there with the Nirvana to, lead right. singer line. We you. don't
4: need it. That's not the tweet I was referring to. So he's a dork, to, but he's a leader yeah. and a, a great young player. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll be back, too. Because when
3: I think of inspiring quotes for leadership, Kurt Cobain's the guy I'm going to go to. <laughs> all right. Well, we too did soon. not go I down. I love
5: Nirvana. To, I'm just okay. saying it's uh, a
3: little weird. A little connection.
4: too soon, though. Yeah. Come on. Moving on. Wes. <laughs>
3: My first ever concert <laughs> with he's Nir- dead. Nirvana. Really,
4: that's a good no, you're a good Utrecht.
3: rock star.
2: Mine was the Little River Little River Band <laughs> in 1812. They're a group.
5: Was <laughs> well, there a group, by the way, not a band? Not a
2: <laughs> I know there's a difference. There, they're, they're an
1: outfit.
4: Uh, <laughs> while we're here, Mark, what was your first concert?
1: Uh, Blues Traveler. Don't remember any of it.
4: <laughs> I uh, in 1986, I was a six-year-old six year boy. I saw the monkeys in Weird Al Yankovic. Uh,
1: I'm, the not, not, I'm monkeys not counting were still ones like How yeah, about how about as an adult? Then,
4: then it's cake and counting crows mm. at the Beacon like Theater that. in Manhattan. Like All right, kind of party. Wes.
2: Give me a little bit of a wide berth here. Okay. Just take a minute. Okay, my one more has been – Not only is this the greatest Super Bowl, it's ridiculous to say any other Super Bowl is. Whoa, let's hear it. I agree. Let me explain why. Going into this game 50-50, Henry Hodgson talked about this on the Damashek podcast. On the NFL.com pool, he's never seen it this close before. 50-50, the two best coaches in the league, two great teams. You have one dynasty for the last 13 years. You have another one that has a chance to be the next great dynasty with four or five Super Bowls in a row. This is what's at stake. You go into the game, Patriots take control. It's like the Packers in the NFC title game. They're taking control, but they're blowing opportunities. At one point, Brady's got 14 completions, and Russell Wilson has zero. I mean, it's just total control. Seattle battles back in. Then the Patriots get the Gronk touchdown. It looks like they're going to have, like, major control going into halftime. Russell Wilson, brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant 29-second drive with Pete Carroll dropping his lower extremities on the field <laughs> twice going into halftime. Totally different game. Seahawks take control. You think the Patriots are out of it. Three out of the five of us on the podcast Sunday night thought the game was over. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, epic fourth quarter. Two touchdown drives, 13 of 15. Final drive, 8 for 8. Two huge plays. Julian Edelman gets knocked out almost by Cam Chancellor. Just one great play on top of the other. Final drive, Malcolm Butler makes a play. Malcolm uh, Brandon Browner makes a play in the end zone. Malcolm Butler makes another play, but Curse makes the David Tyree-Antonio Freeman catch. Two plays later, Malcolm Butler makes the Ray Allen three. Analogy. Two. I mean, just like <laughs> in a span of 30 seconds, you've got two epic history-changing plays. And Malcolm Butler, that was one of the greatest pl- defensive plays in the history of football.
4: Good job by Tom Brady uh, offering up his truck, too, to Malcolm Butler because he deserves it. The more you watch that play, the more amazing it is.
2: The IRS has taken $18,000 out of it. And you
3: can argue a few different things, but there's really no argument that that was the most impactful play in Super Bowl history. Never has a Super Bowl had one play that was any bigger than that, and for the for everything that you said in terms of the flow of the game and the greatness of the players, and then the historical meaning, it, it really is the greatest. How could something of Tyreek catch was that?
4: pretty crazy too, though.
3: That's
2: true. Yeah. The quality of the,
1: play, the, the though, whole the quality game, of play was, was better in this game, game a lot. I then. agree with you, and I think it helps that we were in in person to feel how electric it was, and from another lens, like we all had guests, and my wife Simone and her friend Tracy, they were up near the front of the stadium. And driving people crazy, they told me, because there were so many big plays for either side that they didn't just clamp down on one team, and they couldn't name 18 of the guys you just mentioned, but it was so exciting, they were cheering for every big play, <laughs> and people around them like, wait, wait, who are? what side are you on here? But it was that kind of a game where you couldn't even figure out who you were rooting for if you were neutral, because it was swinging in both ways. Even
2: this thing where TD doesn't like Tom Brady, but he has admitted... That montage when Brady's coming out of the tunnel—oh, freakin' goosebumps, it epic, baby, it.
1: goosebumps! It was, it he looked like epic. a warrior. I didn't even—the Cleveland Browns melted entirely from my consciousness. <laughs> it was like this is football. Like this, Tom Brady in that moment—I think we all were a bit transfixed. But I mean, that is like a, it was like a god coming down the tunnel. I like really he knew got the chills. moment
5: and totally owned it.
1: That yeah, made me—that made me feel like I I don't know if like people even saw that, that on TV. I what
5: think?
3: with yeah, I him think coming out? Yeah, I don't know. Getting all fired up. I—the place went nuts. Oh. And Mark Mark I loved it really did get Mark on the side of the Patriots cheering like
2: crazy the whole game. But Mark's actually thinking about just jumping ship right now. <laughs> well, next. no, I I'm it. just
3: come, in a very dark
4: aboard.
1: place. Come aboard. Uh
4: I will also say the it was also badass the when the Seahawks were coming out of the tunnel and speaking of Nirvana, they were playing Smells Like Teen Spirit. And uh, Wilson's walking. He's walking like a rock star, like, down the tunnel leading his guys. I thought that was, like, a, a super cool, cool moment in general, both sides, that yeah. maybe you don't get that experience unless you're there. Well, they so show Belichick, and
1: the place goes crazy with boots. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like Darth Vader. All right, let's, it was an electric atmosphere the let, whole game.
4: Let's keep, mo- let's keep moving because we so do you have, have some more things. Or? I have things. Well, let's hear and you thing. have more things. That's I've, what I'm saying. Yeah.
2: So I wanted
3: to hear I
4: am. I am guiding the show properly. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm doing my best for you,
3: boss. I'll, I'll lay some blame on the Seahawks and Wilson and, and Pete Carroll. That for whatever. Wait, did you
4: skip over me and go to your next? Well, one? I <laughs> <thought I>
3: was, <laughs> this whole point was I was trying to let you set up, and you. just I was going to set it. myself
4: up before you got in your second.
3: Oh, oh I didn't know. So I, I thought that was, this was like a basketball <laughs> play where I just kept. All right, go ahead. Go pass ahead. Pass do and yours, and then no, I'll no, do mine. Now I feel bad. You're taking. All right.
4: Okay. Come on. Come Make man. it quick, Dan. To get back. What's going <laughs> <on. laughs>
3: Cut, yeah. cut that all Greg out. Is TD. Just, Thanks.
4: Greg is just so excited. Anyway, Gronk. Let's talk about Gronk. The summer of Gronk has already begun. Uh, you know, after playing a, a great game and then having a big touchdown catch, uh, he's now do, done the tour. By sunrise, he was already back in L.A. or in L.A. doing various things, including the Kimmel show. And he had the, the greatest Gronk quote ever uh, before he did a reading from his erotica novel. And I, it was so great, I had to ask TD to cut it.
0: I mean, yes, I it. haven't read a book since ninth grade when they made me, like, you know, you don't raise your hand, but they call on you a mocking to remember or whatever. Mockingbird to remember. Right. Yeah. He went to the, the university, of, university
4: of Arizona, folks, by oh. the way. <laughs> this is going to be a great next uh, six months or so with Rob Gronkowski, who. Uh, you know, God bless him. He stayed healthy, had a nice Super Bowl, and now has a ring, and now is going to celebrate. So I'm just happy that we got the Gronk, the happy, explosive, stupid Gronk, just uh, to enjoy. That's great, what I took away. Great One job
3: lesson. chugging on the parade route. <laughs> I, I sent the video to these guys. That they, I mean, just the the movement, the accuracy on his, it, just brought me. It's brought almost me like he's done it before. College,
2: right? Yeah, he's got he's got experience. You would think.
4: Greg, your turn.
3: Uh, I'll bring up some criticism of the Seahawks that hasn't been talked about for whatever reason too much, and that's that they burned two timeouts on that final drive for no reason. So you want to kill Pete Carroll for that call? I I honestly think the way they burned those two timeouts was more inexcusable. They used one timeout after an incomplete pass with 150 left at midfield. Can you ever imagine Tom Brady or Bill Belichick or a lot of teams that are well-coached burning a timeout off of an incomplete pass in that scenario? And then the other one was after the curse crazy catch. They took so long figuring out what had just happened and getting up to the line of scrimmage that they had to take a timeout then, but it was at the end of the whole clock moving. So that's two timeouts that no one's really killed them for, and that that showed a
1: lot of inexperience. Well, one thing, though. You just
3: couldn't line up for two straight plays on the biggest moment. If your lives, they couldn't line up in time on two different plays.
1: Totally fair. And, like, I mean, the one way they would have escaped any criticism at all is had they run Lynch on that second play. I mean, oh, how brilliant that they didn't leave any time for the – I mean, so many things <laughs> sure. translated to our view of this game at this point.
3: Right, but I, I don't think there's any justification of taking a timeout when the clock is stopped. Well, by the, the way, flip side, and I know you're – At
1: the 50-yard line, no matter
3: what. There's no, like, oh, okay – I hear you. The,
1: I know Bill is, Bill's your boy, but and and he had a, a, a kind of a thing no one can argue. Bill, but he explained why he didn't take a timeout because he liked the look that right. he. But honestly. Ninety-nine out of a hundred times, you take that timeout to give your offense a chance. I understand that's not the case here, but I mean, They're, really? Well, no, he admitted He admitted
3: when you look back, he's like, you can make the argument. I should have taken a timeout. He he admitted that. He said, well, he,
1: he sort of did. Then he he said, he but said maybe listen, I should
3: have. Yeah. But the way I was looking at it, was and that would have been killed
4: if they had and lost that, this game. And that's why it's great to be the winner because right, you don't know, right. get okay, killed. it didn't work yeah. out against right. you. And that's why Pete Carroll will never shake this, and nobody will ever think of Belichick. Uh, did we talk about? the poop celebration by Doug Baldwin we should, we should. I think you just did I don't care for it uh it was, you know uh they NBC didn't even air it they cut away from it Doug Baldwin and then after the game it was one of those weird uh juxtapositions because I think he did he have any other catches besides that no and the only way he got open is cuz Revis got picked by the referee and you know <laughs> he was there and he was you know somberly talking after the game at a riser and it was just like it was just kind of tr- it was just weird that this guy in the, in front of the biggest tv audience ever in the biggest moment of his career i think we t- we talked about this we decided to do a a fake poop.
2: That's what he wanted his legacy to be. (laughs)
1: It's kind of like a a duty on the And it was an Adam Carolla bit, wasn't it? It's kind of amazing.
3: Right. I listened to Carolla for a long time, and he used to, he actually came on our air, NFL Network, a few times and did this with with Rich Eisen, just saying, wouldn't that be the greatest celebration (laughs) ever that you pretend to take a dump? And use the football as you know I a don't, prop essentially. I game. don't get it. Why is it funny? I don't know. It's just stupid. We're all the, you know, the we internet immediately.
4: Comedian. I I, th- I saw places that said it was brilliant. and were pissed at NBC for not showing it. I don't. Know, I feel that feels like more like an NFC division divisional playoffs celebration. I like that. Right. What about yeah, it? All, is, I, come on. I,
2: what about it is funny? I just don't get. It. Like Carolla is a comedian, so maybe he sees something. The about way he it. brought it up, I don't you know, understand I'm not why. The
4: well, poop is inherently funny. Yeah, uh, I think that's where it all kind of stems from, and it does it does uh, take the sport less seriously when you do that. I, maybe that was where it was at, but that happened. Is well, there anything I'm, else? I'm
2: not going to like. Do you guys have anything level? else?
5: Yeah, I got you. I got well, a question a, for a, you guys when you all done. TD. Okay. You know a question? All right, let's Go talk ahead. about the parade. We had Julian Edelman with the Sherman poster. We had uh, Legario Blunt with a shirt. And my question is, I'm off for trash talkings playing sports. What was the Saturday. shirt again? it was uh, beast mode except it wasn't beast it was a b word though a uh, female dog word yes exactly yeah. and my question is it's sort of funny how a lot of people call out the seahawks and some guys oh on the show, it's not
2: enough have, with the homer stuff
5: i'm not this is not homer isn't they call out the seahawks for, for being brash and whatnot and not you know being uh sport not having sportsmanship but Kind of quiet on the, on the front with the with the with the pass there. Any, uh, Don't any you think that
2: what you do in a parade should be held to a different standard than what you do on the actual football field?
5: No, that's a good point. But do you think the Seahawks would be afforded that if they even if they did no, that parade? That's, that's
3: Seahawks, fine. But the Seahawks, Seahawks got,
2: reap what they sow. I, I agree. And with they're you. just
3: grabbing a, stuff from people in the crowd. It's not like garrett Blunt was up at seven a.m. You know. Putting that T-shirt together, or you know, pasting a poster. You know, Edelman wasn't at home with his kids using a bunch of paste. Well, we know you Edelman know, someone wasn't. Someone in the crowd hands of, yeah. him the thing and they well, hold it somewhere. up, so it's yeah. like you
1: know,
5: whatever. Just a question. It's not a homer. It's just like, hey, it's kind of weird how people want to jump in a high horse and.
1: It, it well, also helps insane. that they don't have to face each other twice a year like some yeah. of these. I, I mean, I'm with Wes know.
4: on this. I think in that setting, someone hands some, you a shirt and you hold it up, and all of a sudden it's on social media. What's, it's not like Doug Baldwin or Richard Sermon. Uh, holding a like a faux press conference uh, going to show how funny they are, the dropping two four on the camera. Like these guys, they were easy to root against by the end of that game. I, I stand by that. I'm sorry, TD. I'm just
5: saying, just pointing it out. that okay. You know, you have every they're, right they're, to do that. No. All
4: right, that's right. it. Right.
5: That
3: we were still going around.
5: Well, we. I mean, Greg's yeah. got more
4: points. You got more. You got another. Well,
5: he's savoring.
3: I am.
4: It is your moment. We Go actually ahead. got through
3: most of them. Give us one some Throne of E's music. Got all cut the chicken scratch. Got one oh, yeah, more. We got, got some Charlie Day, Day scratch. We got to the Lynch short yardage. We got to the everything else. Mm-hmm. Greg Bedard had a good – check out his piece. And I don't even know if it's up yet, but he was tweeting about it. He thought that was one of the best games he's ever seen Brady play, which I thought was interesting because he had two interceptions, and he's been very critical of Brady. But he thought the way that Brady won the game kind of from the neck up and – knew exactly where to go. And there was not many open receivers, each and every down. And, and this is typical of Brady. It's not like it's unique, but just the patience that he showed throughout the game that so few quarterbacks in NFL history could have ever done that. And the difference kind of between Brady, who didn't make a ton of big athletic plays or deep down the field, and Wilson, who had a great game and made a bunch of plays, is kind of stark. And, and for him to win it
2: Like that was impressive. Didn't Bedard actually write that it was one of the best games he's ever seen by Brady, even before the fourth quarter? Right, that's what he was saying.
3: Which it's interesting. I did watch. I haven't watched the whole game uh, over again on. You will. I will on coaches. I tried to get through it before this podcast, but just almost everything that he's learned throughout his whole career ends up being on display in this game because there weren't a lot of open receivers and good point exactly where to go.
1: And how about some credit to Josh McDaniels who came up with really one of the few game plans we've seen that took advantage of Seattle's strengths, even as a secondary and their speed. And I ate them up and when they got down, you know, bad teams move away from the game plan. Mm. They stuck right with it. You said that right there in the end, they're not going away from what that what they what was working early on. I don't think they would have won this had they veered away from, from that early success. Didn't the
2: Patriots Brady have more pass attempts than I think the Seahawks had
1: total plays? Well, I mean wow. Russell Wilson only had two pass attempts deep into the second quarter. All his real estate came from then on. They control yeah, they controlled it. By
3: the way, my uh What was that thing we did on Friday? Confident call was the Mm. Patriots will have long, slow drives and limit limit, limit the
1: Seahawks. Very good. This was your week, Greg. (laughs) There's just no way
3: around it. All right, I'm done.
4: By the way, we should bring (laughs) Greg back down to earth about a little sandwich wager from uh, NFL Honors. That's
3: right. I owe Dan.
4: Dan In which, wait, I get to explain this because you're having such a nice run. Give me something. I have nothing. Wait, can I have some Throne of Ease music for this? (laughs) We we wagered a sandwich about how many MVP votes JJ Watt would get. We came down at 8. We said I said he'll get at least 8 and Greg said I'll maybe get 2 or 3. <laughs> and guess what? He got 13, baby. High octane sandwich for Danny boy. Wait, wasn't I in on that? Uh, I think it was a personal group I think match. it was
3: just Dan and I. Yeah. I thought it was Craig I wouldn't, first to You field. wanted to jump on later, but I said no. Oh, okay. The wind started blowing uh, the wrong way on that one. <laughs> that but feels but to me I like was
1: ragby's wh- lunch for everyone. <laughs> I
3: was wildly confident on that one, too, and wasn't really that close.
1: So,
4: anyway, we will we'll settle that up. So, at least it got something out of it. If only
3: here. we had uh, done a sandwich on Bobby Wagner winning an MVP vote. That would have been a <laughs> <disaster>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh All
4: right, moving on. Before we get out of here, Wes the great scientist, they call him, uh, put together his list of the top 25 free agents of the 2015 class, uh, a list that you could check out at NFL.com slash, I don't know, around the NFL, unless there's a vanity Earl. Slash news
2: also works. By the way, every science teacher I've ever had in my life would be laughing at the description you've painted here of me as a scientist <laughs> all
4: right so we got to be out of here in 10 minutes so let's get through uh let's get through this list and we're gonna i'll just i'm gonna do the top 10 i'm just gonna roll it out there and then uh uh greg or mark you can jump in uh what you think about it 10 demarco murray 9 devin McCordy, 8 randall cobb 7 uh mike upati uh 6 julius thomas 5 jpp Four, Demarius Thomas. Three, Des Bryant. Two, Justin Houston. And number one, free agent, according to Chris Wessling and Damakon. Sue, hmm. thoughts?
1: Can't argue with the top three at all. I, I, it's interesting. Like Des I,
4: behind Justin Houston was interesting to me.
1: Uh, Justin Houston, I mean, well, I, did you put out this yesterday, Wessling, that he didn't have a penalty all season? In the last two years, Jerry Hughes has 20
2: penalties. Justin Houston has 0. I he, think
1: pass rushers always make a hill of money and the and I don't think Des Bryant's going anywhere so that I don't I don't know. He had he had maybe the
3: best non-JJ Watt season hmm. for any defensive player in the last 4 years. I'm trying to come up with one because he would have won defensive player of the year a lot of years. I sure. mean, he was good against the run.
2: And he averaged more than a sack game the year before, too. I mean, this guy's he's right up there as the best pass rushers in the league.
1: I think it's funny that you know a guy like DeMarco Murray, whether he stays or goes at number 10 with the with us with the market for running backs that we've seen in general I wonder if he'll if he's finally the guy as a running back that will make, you know, a significant amount of dough because these guys are just getting nothing Yeah, He after was, year. he was the hardest guy
2: for me to rank because the first 3 months of game film is just incredible. He looks fantastic. He's making defenders miss. The last month and a half, he's not quite the same back and he has 500 touches. Teams aren't gonna to want to pay for that and they already
1: don't want to pay for running backs. He's a hard guy to grow. And he seems to think he's he's only going to go and make a lot of money. He's not sounding like a guy that's well a deal.
2: I, I don't really blame him, seeing as uh NFL media insider Ian Rappaport has reported the, the Cowboys standing offer was four years sixteen million, which I, I firmly believe is a slap in the face to him. He carried their offense.
4: Wes, you're a football head. So a lot of people that will look at <laughs> Sue's numbers uh might not understand why he's ahead of everyone on this list. Uh but tell me what makes Dominican Sue so valuable to the middle of defense.
2: Well, I don't think uh casual football fans can look at defensive tackles numbers ever and gain you can't glean anything out of looking at numbers for defensive tackles. He pushes the pocket. Uh he's the best three three technique tackle in the league. I know Greg likes Gerald McCoy, but Sue has been healthier and is better against the run. Um, I, I he dominates. There'll be five or six games a year where he just picks up the opposing t- center and guard and just pushes them out of the way. Dominates games. As a uh,
3: as a fellow wannabe scientist, we are going to collaborate on a, a larger. You're top, in the
4: lab, Greg. Top, don't, top, don't sell yourself short. Top
3: 101 free agents later, and I can predict some people's ranks are changing. Uh, here, are, here's my list of people which which will have lower rankings when the final list comes out because I'm going to drop them. Mikey Ayapati at seven. Maybe even is the seventh one. If it was on, who's going to get paid the most? But he's coming
2: off a bad year, I thought. I think we had Alex Mack higher than Mikey Iapati, and Mikey Iapati has been a more dominant player. I don't know. Mikey Iapati. Jared Odrick,
3: 13. That I was really – where did that come from? He seems like an average starting player. He was just player. below Pro
2: Bowl levelish. year, and guys it's who can play 3-4 defensive end and 4-3 tackle really get hard. paid. A sometimes starter in the league. Uh, Brandon, what? <laughs> he hasn't been a starter his whole career.
3: He's kind of like a, ro- you know. He was that every
2: down player last year.
3: You already moved Jason Worlds because I really complained about how low he was initially. Brandon Graham, 17. That one I'm more just curious.
2: What's the reason? I actually that? had him higher and then moved him down a little bit because I thought maybe I'm just too high on him. That is high on Brandon Graham. On a per-snap basis, he's always been one of the most efficient pass rushers in, in the league. He's been a poor fit for their defense He's better in a four-three, I think.
4: Greg attacking
2: the. I'm not attacking.
4: It, uh, I
2: like Brandon Graham. I'll, I'll, to st- I'll go to the barricade.
3: No, I want to check in on that one. That one blew my mind. So I, uh, that, uh, I might move him up on my next. Further year. laboratory work is necessary. I
4: noticed that you have Jordan Cameron rounding out the list of 25. Don't you have to kind of know where you are to to make this list?
1: I, uh, well, that's why he's this low. I think. That's. That's horrible. on game That's film un- alone. That was unprofessional. On though. game film alone, oh, okay. I would have Jordan Cameron
2: like top twelve. I loved what I saw out of him, especially two thousand thirteen. But you
1: can't. How can you predict what teams will do with three concussions? Isn't it really only two thousand thirteen? Because if you're going to get, if you're going to pay for him and you're going to get what you got this year or any of the other seasons, you're getting a guy that plays about six games a season, and you can't rely on him. I mean, it's we not just concussion. We Michael
3: Finley last year. In the end, you know that was a more serious situation than. Cameron, as far as we know, but that would be a big risk. The two, the two most interesting names on this entire list are pretty low to me. Greg Hardy, number nineteen. Right now, he's on the reserved. What do you call it, list? Commissioner's Commissioners. exempt Exempt. list. Commissioner's exempt list. But he will be a free agent eventually when he's allowed to play again. Just on pure talent, he's in the top five. Bitch, kitty pass rusher. No question. But that's not what NFL teams (laughs) trade free agents on. No, I get it. But just. Pure talent. He's number five. He's, he's no maybe question. not the greatest citizen, but someone's going to take a gamble on him, no doubt. And they might, they might get a great, great player.
2: Somebody's going to take a gamble on him after they explain to their fan base why they're doing it. Uh, sure. But I don't think they're going to have to pay a lot of money to take a gamble. Maybe not. Him. So that's it, it's an interesting guy to watch. And then Nick
3: Fairley, 22, when he is right, and that's I guess not all half the time. The, yeah, not all that often. I mean, he's pretty awesome. I mean, I, he's much better player than Jared Odrick or Brandon Graham when has been.
2: C- when CJ Spiller's right. He's also another one.
4: Yeah. Hey, uh, question for both the scientists and, and Mark. Uh, if Darrell Rivas, because we know. As
1: Mark gives you a dirty look. <coughs> uh,
4: just as, like we know. What, Mark? Are you a scientist in the lab? I actually I thought not. we always watched them I from didn't below. give you a dirty look. Above I'm, above. Uh. They
1: make me very uncomfortable, the two of them.
4: <laughs> if Darrell Rivas ended up um, on this list, and I know the Patriots have rights until the end of March, uh, where would he be? if you dropped him into this.
2: I actually had him on this list and had to take him away after I had our editors go through it with a fine-tooth comb. Mm -hmm. I had him fifth.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Dan making the point this morning that Revis will be a New York Jet next season. Now that I think about it, I'm looking
3: at this list. Sue, Houston, Dez, they're all definitely ahead of Revis. Yeah, I'd put him fourth or fifth, Demarius Thomas and him.
1: You know who
4: I like on this list, Wes? I think it's a fair spot at 18 for Torrey Smith. But I feel like if you put Torrey Smith in the right offense, I don't know, maybe Indianapolis or something, he could go next level in his game. I love me some Tory Smith.
2: I could definitely be convinced to rank Tory Smith over Jeremy Macklin because I feel like Macklin is a product of his system. Uh, Smith's only problem is he's not going to catch many passes. Greg and I talked about it. He's a bit of a Mike Wallace one-trick pony kind of guy. Mm. You send him on go routes and let him let him get a pass. Mike Wallace caller. is one of
3: the highest-paid receivers in the
2: league, so Torrey Smith might get paid huge. Mike Wallace runs a four, what three-three or something. I mean,
1: he's faster than Torrey Smith. He's also he, a malcontent.
4: I was gonna I was going say he's the highest-paid receiver, but he, he never should have been. Was a- what oh, what about right, By,
1: right. what about Byron yeah. Maxwell when he goes to a team where they're putting him on the front of the tickets and stuff. He's our number one corner. I mean, do you trust him as a number one corner in a bad defense potentially?
2: I trust him as a number two corner in Dan Quinn's defense.
3: Right. If he goes there to Quinn go. or if Gus Bradley or front. someone that knows how to use him, there's no sense. reason to think he can't be really effective.
4: All right. Anything else, gentlemen, before we get out of here? From this list, Chris, great work. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot more free agents. When you guys get together and start banging heads to figure out the top 100, it's going to get ugly.
3: <laughs> post combine Well, a lot of sweet By the way, Earl, sweet music gets made.
4: Yes. Earl Thomas just uh they came across while we were up here, gonna be out six to eight months with that uh shoulder injury, he's having surgery. Mm. Um so that is an that's a length a lengthy wow. uh rehab for a guy that'll take you right to almost the start of the
1: season. Well, eventually. it could take you in, in October if it's to eight months. But it'll hear quick, quick, good, bro. quick math there on the months by Cessler. Home run, underrated that's mathematician. Might
4: not be a scientist, but <laughs> right mathematician, mathematician, brah. All right, so that's it for uh, Thursday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. I think we're going to do uh, two shows next week too, and then uh, eventually we're going to ramp back up to three around combine time. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the Boss, on Tide Day behind the glass until Tuesday.